0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: And it's getting dramatic on a late night edition of Feel the 68 After Dark on this Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. Soon to be Wednesday, November 22nd. I never thought I'd be able to talk with Chris Mack in the midnight hour. A dream has come true. And Matt McCall as well as with us. (laughs) Gentlemen, we're getting paid overtime tonight. Maui Invitational. And we just had a fracas at center court between Bill Self and Shaka Smart late in the first half of a 10-point game. Marquette up 10 right now on Kansas, number one Kansas At the half, tempers flare. Roger Ayers tries to get the two coaches at center court after a timeout. That didn't help. Chaka Smart with his fourth-ranked Golden Eagles letting Bill Self know that he's here to win this game and maybe a few other things. Chris Mack, an instant reaction to some drama at the Maui Invitational.
2: Little drama right there. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the second half. Obviously, both coaches fired up. High-level game. You know, I think uh, Marquette came out swinging with Cam Jones hitting those back-to-back threes. I thought, not that his team needs a lot of confidence, but I, I thought that just sort of set the tone for how Marquette's played the entire first half back-to-back threes by Cam Jones. But uh, I'm not sure if that was over the, the the Kevin McCullough three, knowing that he had heard that comment that said he couldn't shoot, you know, smart. I, I, I don't know, but obviously there were some uh, – there's a little bit of a tension there at half court.
1: Coach McCall, you don't have to – I don't want to put you on the spot and name any names because I'm not going to do that to you off the top. But have you both have been in coaching a long time, uh, and you both have had your your different drama throughout the years. Have you have you ever had a, a conflict with another coach, and how did it end up for your team? Was it a good thing in game? Was it a bad thing? Any experience, any story that you could share?
3: Man, I, uh, I mean, I've, obviously, we've had a lot of conflict as head coaches, and you're, you're not very happy with something that the other head coach is doing, uh, but I love the, the fact that these guys are competing. It's November. They're competing and competing at a high level. Um, I think right now for Kansas, they just got to take better care of the basketball. I mean, 12 turnovers in the first half. I mean, if they had taken better care of the basketball, they would be in this game, but yeah, Fanta, there's, there's, there's been times where, as a head coach, you've stood over there and you're not happy with the what the other head coach is doing. And maybe you've said some things under your breath, but uh, on the field of 68, we'll keep that to ourselves.
1: I mean, Mac, we could pull up highlights of crosstown shootouts of the past, not just of you, but of <laughs> basically any player that's involved in that game.
2: Very true. You know, I always thought – The hardest part was, you know, I'd go into a game where maybe the the, the previous couple games I felt like I was getting on the referees a little bit too much. I had to talk with myself, hey, listen, let those guys alone. You don't need to worry about the officiating, worry about coaching your team, getting the guys in the right spot, right frame of mind. And then you look down the other sideline and the other coach is just in the ref's ear, after every call every call and then you feel like some of the whistles start to go that team's way and you're over there like trying to be your calm self hey I'm not I'm not talking the officials and then you know one more call goes the wrong way and then you know pretty pretty soon that that plan uh, becomes inactive so man it's tough you know you always have two competitors out there and the coaches didn't get to the level that they're at uh, without being competitive you obviously know Bill Self's history. Shaka's uh, a hell of a coach and doing a great job with Marquette as well. So uh, I'm, I'm not surprised, especially uh, given the stakes. It's one of the highest profile preseason tournaments. So like I said, man, it's going to be fun to watch in the second half.
1: Your halftime score, 38-28, to 28, number four Marquette up by 10 on number one Kansas. Chris Mack. Should America be surprised? There's still 20 minutes to go, but seeing Marquette up 10 on Kansas, should America be surprised? Why or why not?
2: Well, I don't think they should be surprised. I mean, uh, again, Marquette's a terrific team. They've been together for a long time now. The the one thing that I think just X's and O's wise that I really struggle with at time Kansas is they always play drop coverage with Hunter Dickinson. And, you know, he's well off the ball screen. And against Marquette and a guy like Tyler, who I know had the greatest game so far, he hasn't been the impact guy that he normally is. But those other guards can make plays off the dribble, and you just give so much space when you're dropped off the big man when he's got there setting perimeter ball screens. Hunter Dickinson isn't the most mobile big guy, so you can go downhill, you can get in the lane, you can spray out. Marquette's shooting the ball with a lot of confidence. So I am surprised that Kansas hasn't scored at a higher clip, but those guys are playing on the other end uh, as hard as it gets, Marquette. And so some of Hunter Dickinson's looks around the basket, a little bit, been a little bit quick, in my opinion, uh, a little bit rushed. Uh, Give Marquette credit, man. This is not a surprise for people who have followed them the last couple of years.
3: Coach? Yeah, Coach, I I agree with you. I mean, they, they were so good offensively last year and shaka had to go into this offseason and say okay what do we got to do, do to get better on the defensive end of the floor to get more wins especially in the big east and they're preseason uh, favorites in the big east this year but I, like the drop coverage with those talented guards well those guards can come off ball screens and get in the lane because they have spacing uh, i mean that's that's the biggest thing like what is kansas going to do in the second half to try to adjust in terms of that because when you play drop the guard gets ahead of steam and he can come down at you i think that's what Kansas has got to look at and those guards from Marquette are too talented for Kansas to continue to do that and that's that's what's made Mar- that's what made Marquette so good last year is just the floor spacing how can we create keep getting advantage and cre- keep the advantage and that's what they're doing in the first half of this game I mean up 10 and give Marquette's defense credit man 28 points in the first half for Kansas I mean that is that's spectacular and that was the issue last season going back to the last season for Marquette was you know I think they were top 50 in the country in offense maybe top 20 and then defensively is where they really really struggled and to hold Kansas to 28 points in the first half, I mean, that's impressive.
1: Yeah. It is. Marquette up by 10 on Kansas at the half. If you're just joining us, welcome to the Field of 68 After Dark. I'm John Fanta. Matt McCall's with us. Chris Mack is with us. Bill Self and Shaka Smart, the respective head coaches in this game, getting into an argument a, a close to an altercation. Both had to get held back by their respective staffs. Then Roger Ayers tried to call them together. the head official before the half, and that didn't work out either. A couple of F-bombs, if you will. Heat of the moment, top five showdown, living up to the hype. The winner, the winner of this game is going to meet the second-ranked team in America tomorrow, 5 Eastern time, the Purdue Boilermakers. We will have Purdue's Fletcher lawyer on the show shortly. He tied a career high with 27 points as Purdue beats Tennessee 71 to 67. Matt McCall, your immediate reaction to this game is?
3: Well, I think Purdue is the best team in the country. Uh, I've always thought, you know, going even into the season, it was Kansas was 1A, Purdue was 1B. Everyone wants to talk about what happened in the NCAA tournament, and they lost in the first round to Fairleigh Dickinson, but – they also were ranked number one in the country for seven straight weeks last season. And they're the best team. They got the best player in the country back. They're playing like the best team in the country right now. And they went through a whole offseason of everyone telling them what they did wrong. Fletcher Lawyer, he was making high, you know, just toughness plays, effort plays, diving on the floor for loose balls, and even kind of flexing on, on himself at, at times this game. Um, I, I, you know, I thought there were some really bad offensive possessions down the stretch of this game by Tennessee. I think Tennessee is really, really good. I think Dalton Connect is absolutely outstanding. I think Dalton Connect is one of the best players in the SEC. But I think Purdue is the best team in the country, and I think they showed it tonight. And we'll see what happens in the second half of this game in terms of Kansas and Marquette and who matches up with Purdue uh tomorrow night but man they they were outstanding and and tennessee's a really really good basketball team
1: mac
2: yeah i just uh he had two teams that that play with a lot of toughness and a lot of grit and i know the game was especially ugly in the second half there for a period of six to ten minutes where no one scored everybody was getting fouled every whistle was being blown But, uh, you know, I give Purdue credit. They played a large majority of the second half without Zach Eady, and they didn't miss a beat. I know Tennessee, uh, behind Jordan Ganey, hit a couple threes to tie it, uh, but they didn't lose their poise. And by the time Eady came back in the last TV timeout, I think under four, uh, Purdue had recaptured the lead and and sort of held it all the way down the stretch. So, uh, you know, Fletcher obviously played extremely well. To get open shots. I mean, between Brayden Smith getting in the lane, between all the attention that Zach gets when basketball uh, around the post, I think that the, the biggest key to me is going to be Purdue's ability to guard uh, on the perimeter. Uh, you know, we talked about that last year with FDU uh, being able to sort of exploit their their foot speed. You know, Matt's going to be a man-to-man coach, uh, live or die, and you know you've got Zach in there to sort of erase some mistakes, but. Be interesting, you know. They got him in foul trouble tonight, and they weren't able to take advantage of it, and you know, to, to win the game. Um, but give Purdue credit; they were able to sort of hold serve while he was out.
1: Matt McCall, there were fifty-one fouls called and seventy-eight free throws. Thoughts?
3: So are you are you you're putting me on spot with the officials right now? You don't want to go to Coach Mac for that. You're going to come to me for that on the officials on the referees. I'm no,
1: no, no, no. So, so, so I'll
3: year year. say this. Yep. So, so I'll say this in terms of officiating, and Coach Mack can attest to this. You know, you get the commissioner officials always comes into practice probably in late September, early October, and this is this is these are the adjustments. These are uh you know the the points of emphasis this year these are the rule changes this is what we're doing but referees are just like basketball players they're just like coaches at the end of the day they ref the game on feel. and if you have a first half that they feel is really really physical and they didn't call many fouls in the first half there's going to be more fouls called in the second half that that, that's exactly because they're making adjustments just like coaches are making adjustments just like players are making adjustments so um I didn't like how the game was officiated in terms of you know disrupting the flow but that's what they're supposed to do and that's what happens I mean refs are the same they ref these games on feel they're human beings they're not robots and I, I you know, at the end of the day, that's the frustrating part as a college basketball fan. It's a frustrating part as a coach. They're human beings, and you know I, I, you know, if the game's physical in the first half, why make it not physical in the second half? That's my biggest thing.
2: And here's, here's the deal. I've played against Tennessee, and I've played against Purdue. Least coach both. They both foul. They foul damn near every possession. But they're good enough in terms of how they do it that they legally foul. They body check you. They bump you. They bump cutters. They're physical. And I think the referees get tired of calling it. They hear the cat calls from the stands, they hear people bitching about. You know, let them play, let them play, and they normally do. But I think that that tonight, for whatever reason, probably what Matt talked about in the first half, they were letting so much stuff go that they decided to blow a little bit tighter in the second half. But I think if you really watch each one of those calls, you know, like I, I, I thought, a lot of them were pretty, pretty good calls. But you don't see officials continue to call and call because they get tired of it. They get tired hearing coaches bitch. They get tired. Complained, and so they let him go a little bit. They didn't tonight. And uh, both Tennessee and Purdue have great reputations in terms of how they play defensively. They play physical. They legally foul. And they do as well as anybody in the country. And that's why they're two of the best defensive teams in the country.
1: Yeah, here, here's my broader take, okay, officiating aside. I think we would all agree – that watching a game with 78 free throws is not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable for anybody. It's hard to officiate Tennessee. Zach Eadie's the hardest player to officiate in the country. I don't envy officials. I don't think any of us envy officials. But for that to be the best college basketball match of the season to date and for the product to be 51 combined fouls and 78 free throws, that falls on everybody involved in the game. And that brings up a bigger point, okay because it was a dumpster fire that game was a dumpster fire of a watch but the, the bigger point is can Tennessee win six games in a row in March Madness by playing this way my thought to that is no they can't again they have trouble scoring where did Dalton connect go in this game guys where did he go he disappeared in the second half
2: yeah the uh he turned the ball over a little bit. He 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 besides that three at the end of the game that sort of uh, I don't want to say it was inconsequential. You know, it gave him, it got him within one possession, but he didn't play very well in the second half and you know, he didn't play as much either. You know, I I think um, I think coach Barnes didn't didn't necessarily put him on the floor cuz he wasn't playing very well. But that's going to be Tennessee style though, John. They're, they're going to try to win the game 48 to 44 in the first and second, and, you know, third round of the NCAA tournament. I just don't think they have the ability to score against really, really, really good teams. And at some point that, that's going to cost them. Because there are some teams that, like, you can slow them down, but you're not going to hold them to 45 or 50. We just watched two of them that are halftime right now.
1: Right.
3: Yeah, I, I think, too – you know, Zakai Ziegler looked more like himself tonight. You know, they went on the road and beat Wisconsin, and it wasn't even close. I mean, they went up there, and the game was really not even close. They, they handled their business, and Ziegler kind of was unsure of himself. You could still see. Tonight, I didn't think that. I thought Zakai Ziegler looked like, all right, I'm back. I'm not worried about my knee. I'm going out here, and I'm playing, and I'm playing at a high level and dog connects new. How do we fit him in? He's had great games, you know, but there's an adjustment period that goes through that as well. So um, can they make a run to the final four? I think it's way too early to tell. Do I think they're really, really good? Yes. Do I think Zakai Ziegler is back? And I think that's really important for this team. Yes. Um, So I think we got to wait and see how that plays out, but don't, don't discredit what they did on the road, you know, versus Wisconsin. uh, That was, that was, I mean, that was super impressive because that's a tough place to play.
1: They win a lot of games. Their, their, their formula can be successful. And to your point, connect and gaining and now with Ziegler getting into his rhythm, like you see the options with them. You see the options with them. And tonight, let's face it. What, you're, you guys are right with the with the fouls that, that it's hard to officiate that. I think the biggest thing, the biggest issue that was brought up on the broadcast and that has been brought up all night is that the first four minutes, first eight minutes of the game compared to the final 30 and change, there was zero consistency. If you're going to set 100%. the tone, like, keep it that way. You can't be inconsistent 100%. in how you officiate a game, right?
3: Yeah. Thousand percent. And I I would say, and I'll I ask coach Mack this, you know, in terms of Ganey, Ganey's so talented offensively. It's kind of like Rick Barnes is, is so, you know, his mentality is on the defensive end of the floor. And I think sometimes Ganey's not in there because does he think he's a liability on defense? Um, But like he, I mean, he stretches the floor, he spaces the floor, like, it, I mean, he's so talented. I think, he, you know, Barnes is probably battling that at, at some point, too. But the inconsistency of the officiating is something as a coach that you just bang your head up at times.
1: We've got Fletcher Lawyer coming on in just moments, guys. We're going to get to him. But for now, we take a quick break after this. He had the career night for Purdue. The sophomore star, Fletcher Lawyer will join us to talk about the Boilers advancing to the Maui Invitational Championship game.
4: If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD200 and you will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly when placing your first wager of at least $10 with BetMGM. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code Field 200 deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game, regardless of sport, you will receive $200 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Just make sure that you use the bonus code field 200 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odds boosts, my personal favorite, poor lay odds boosts so download the BetMGM mgm app today
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome back to the Field of 68 after dark. Marquette, the fourth-ranked team in the country, has opened up a 47-32 to 32 lead. On number one, Kansas. Golden Eagles running in transition. Chase Ross drills a three. Guys, Shaka Smart is in year three on this job. He won 29 games a year ago. They won the Big East regular season and tournament title. Chris Mack, you coach in the Big East. So you know the kind of job and the kind of place Marquette is. And I am sensing right now, at least on social, a lot of people are like, Marquette? Like, they're 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 this good? They're this, well, all the pieces are in place with, at that job, are they not? All the pieces are in place at that school.
2: Well, they certainly have the resources. They have the uh, the, the drive to be really good. And I, I give Shock a lot of credit. You know, he's, he's brought in his own guys, uh, most of them really young, most of them coming out of high school. Uh, he hasn't done it with three or four portal players. Not that that's Um, the wrong way or the right way to do it. It's just the irregular way in terms of him putting a lot of freshmen on the floor the last couple years. And now you're you're seeing those guys almost like yesteryear's mid-majors. You know, only the talent that he has, is high major, the the point guard that he has obviously is a a transfer and a very good one. Um, I think that people that really follow college basketball know this is not a surprise. They are really good.
1: What makes them really good, Coach McCall? What makes them really good? Well, I
3: think Shaka too is a really good coach. I think he's been through a lot. I think he goes to Texas and he learns and he grows. And the experience that he went through from Texas and the things that went well and the things that didn't go well. And you know, when I, when he was at VCU, how can I take some of those things and put them in place here at Marquette? um I think that plays a factor in it you know he's he's a veteran coach now he's coached a lot of games he's coached a lot of ball plays he's called a lot of ball plays so I think that 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 that, that plays a factor um in where Marquette is and he's taking the right transfers that's the other piece of it right when you take a job and you just say hey we're going to go in the transfer portal and we're going to try to you know accumulate talent and think it's going to work you know, and Coach Mac knows this. Like, your locker room is the most important thing, right? Calling the ball plays that 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 is the easiest part of this. Designing a practice plan that's the easiest part of this. Do your players get along? Do you have the right players? Did you bring in the right players? Did you take the right transfers? Like, that's that's the challenging part. And he clearly did. And and Tyler Klo- Kolick, man, I mean, what a what a story and what a career he's having, I mean, it's it's super impressive. And you can tell, I mean, they are a connected group. And that, that like that's that's the biggest piece. They are a connected group. And when you have a connected group, calling the ball plays is easy, and, and that's how you win games.
1: All right, we've got our guests. Let's go out to Honolulu. We'll go all the way out to Honolulu on Field of 68 after dark because he's the star of the night in college basketball. The sophomore star Fletcher Lawyer joined now from a uh, somewhere in Hollywood. We will try to there he is. Okay. The great Chris Foreman. Chris, thanks for making this happen. And we'll get uh Fletcher Lawyer on here with Chris Mack, Matt McCall, Fletcher, twenty seven points tonight, six rebounds in a seventy one to sixty seven win over the Tennessee Volunteers. So Fletcher be here with us in just a moment uh, after a great performance for the Boilers. They are on to the Maui Invitational Championship game. They will play at 5 o'clock Eastern time on Wednesday when they will take on the winner of Marquette and Kansas. Fletcher, thanks for taking the time with us all the way from Honolulu. Hey, what's it like when you could be out in Hawaii? You're scoring 27 points against a top 10 team, and you know that you get to play for a championship tomorrow in Paradise.
5: What's up? Can you?
1: Hear me? We got you, man. Can you hear us? Our Wi-Fi is not. Our Wi-Fi. Is not. Well, Hawaii Wi-Fi. I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Can you hear us? Okay. We're getting you signal wise. Yeah. You got us now? (laughs) Fletcher, you are all right? You coming in all right? right, He just can't hear us. I don't think he can hear us. Uh, So uh, we'll try to get him back. He was great tonight. And Purdue. What a performance. What a performance. Yeah, and don't you feel a little bit like, sometimes we go, the outsiders, not you guys. The outsiders have gone hard on purdue right with the the loss last march madness it's always going to be with them but like mccall you just said it if if they're not the best they're as good as any we we can hear you fletcher can you hear You're us yes can you hear us fletcher lawyer can you hear us we can hear you oh you can yes Can you hear us? Can you (laughs) hear us? yeah, I can hear you guys. All right, Fletcher. I don't know if it's Jupiter or or Hawaii. Fletcher, talk to us about the win tonight.
5: Yeah, yeah, it was a real good game. It was a real good game. We had to fight, and uh, it was pretty scrappy. Uh, Tough defense played on both ends. But uh, with a lot of calls being called, it was a long game. We shot a lot of free throws. And we just had to battle. It was a fight from the beginning to the end.
3: Fletcher, Fletcher let me ask you a question. You're in your one. Go ahead, coach.
2: Fletcher, the Chris Mack here. Great game tonight. Coming off of last night's game where you didn't play your best, what was sort of your mindset going into the game, you know, against Tennessee? What's up
5: coach? Uh, good to hear from you. Yeah, I would just say that there was really two ways I could go about it. I could be sad and be pissed. I didn't play too good. and uh, But ultimately, that's not how I am. I want to go out there and win. And uh, when we got the win, obviously, you don't you don't want to go for five or for six, or whatever I was. But uh, in the end, you get the win and you got another game the next day. You don't got to sit there a week and think about it. You get to sit in Hawaii and enjoy with your teammates and go play the next day and prove yourself. And uh, I think uh, not, not too much trust was altered after that. I think they still believed in me to go out and do it the next day. And uh, ultimately, you just got to go out there and do your best.
2: Well, you did a heck of a job, man. Congratulations. Good luck tomorrow.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it. Fletcher, Matt McCall here. You're and one late in the game where you may have flexed a little bit. I thought was completely the play of the game in the game. Just talk about that play and talk about your emotion and and just how passionate you were after that play happened.
5: Yeah, when you make a big play like that and you feel the momentum change a little bit, and especially after struggling the night before, it just feels great. And uh, putting so much time in, putting so much uh, thought into it and spending so much time around these guys and around these coaches, it feels great to get the win. And uh, I think the way the game was going, uh, Ziegler was talking a little smack, so I had to, had to get him back for that and uh, really just kind of going in and doing what I can, whether it's getting that bucket or whether it's knocking down free throws just to win the game.
2: What was Ziegler Fletcher, saying let me, you? Let me ask you? Let me ask you one more question, Fletcher. You guys um, – played a large majority of the second half with, with Zach on the bench. What sort of the team mindset when when Zach isn't in the game? Because on offense and defense, you guys are very different with him and your lineup. And then obviously, <laughs> to no one's alarm, you, you guys become a lot smaller and a lot different. What's sort of the team's mindset when he goes out?
5: Yeah, I think it's just next man up. Obviously the focal point of our offense is going to be the big fella and uh, that's for good reason. He puts in a lot of work He's proven it the last three three years of his career and uh, he's proven it night in and night out um, Obviously when you got the national player of the year on your team You're going to do what you can to get in the ball and put yourself in the best position to win But when uh, calls don't go our way and he has a few fouls uh, We, we got to step up. They can't be your only focal point of the game. You got to step up in different ways and whether that's Braden, whether that's Lance, or whether it's other guys, you just got to do it. You got to do whatever you can to help the team win.
1: All right, Fletcher. Rapid fire here to close it out. Give us the funniest Zach Eady story you got.
5: Zach's got quite a few, but uh, living with him, I'd just say. Uh, in the house, we got just picking up his shoes or stepping on those size 20 shoes and him not even knowing they're there, even though they're pretty hard to miss.
1: Is he messy? Is he clean? Who's organizing the house? <laughs> I'd say he's more on the messy side, but uh,
5: our captain Ethan Warren got on his butt a little bit and he's getting better. Who's the chef in this house? Who's the chef? Um, Big Will Berg, uh red shirt freshman, he he cooks up a little bit, but uh, Zach will cook every now and then, but me and Ethan aren't on too much of the chef side.
1: So what does an eaty meal look like?
5: Oh my goodness. Um, when we eat, we'll go get a big plate of food, and then uh, as we're finishing up pretty full for for our next meal in two or three hours, he'll go get two or three of those plates and not even think twice. So that's just one way to put it.
1: That is is absolutely absurd. Uh, Thanksgiving is Thursday. You'd like to have a trophy in hand and a first-place trophy. But I got to hear Fletcher Lawyer's best two or three Thanksgiving food items. Lay them on us right now for the holiday.
5: That's tough. I'm a big Thanksgiving guy, but I'm going to go with mashed potatoes and gravy and pumpkin pie.
1: Do you Good like choices. Matt Painter? Do you like Matt Painter pulling off the Hawaiian look?
5: <laughs> yeah, he's got
1: a lot of different styles he can pull off. The
5: Hawaiian one's just one. He'll probably add to his repertoire. Now.
1: Fletcher Lawyer. Fletcher, thanks for joining us. Good luck tomorrow in the Maui Championship game. Yep, thank you guys. Have a good one. We appreciate it. Fellas, thoughts? Mac, any thoughts from that? Any thoughts about him?
2: Just really impressive for him to be able to shake off. I mean, he, he said it very humbly, but to go over 6 and, and not really be your night, and then turn around the next day and play one of the best defensive teams in the country uh, and have the performance that he did. And, you know, as Matt mentioned before, a clutch hand one to – really change momentum and 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 you know give purdue the opportunity to play for a championship tomorrow uh he said it very gracefully and very humbly uh but he was an assassin today in the semifinals
1: did we did we lose mccall mccall i think okay well We'll see if we can get McCall back here. Uh, it's Mac and Fana at 1224 a.m. Eastern <laughs> Time. It's what it's come to. Two sad bastards that don't have a quarterback. And well after midnight here. And by the way, that backfired on you. That Oh, my
2: gosh. It's terrible. It's terrible. Pray for Mac.
1: It is awful. Uh, so right now we've got a... 51-40 to 40 Marquette lead with inside 12 minutes to go. Matt McCall, do we have you back? All right, we're still waiting. Oh my battle, battle for Atlantis uh, starts tomorrow. That is a really interesting field. You've got North Carolina and Northern Iowa at noon, followed by Villanova and Texas Tech. Uh, Grant McCaslin, new coach at Texas Tech. Pop Isaacs, a, a Texas Tech team that will defend at a high level. Justin Moore on the other side, Eric Dixon as well. Game three tomorrow, 5 Eastern time, Michigan and Memphis. How about Doug McDaniel and the Wolverines now trying to bounce back from a loss to Long Beach State, taking on a Memphis team led by Javon Quinterly, then Arkansas and Stanford rounded out. But, Mac, I got to tell you, like when I look at those four games, yeah, Villanova, Carolina in the semifinals—that would be awesome. But how about yep. the fact that you got Michigan and Memphis? These are two two teams we're trying to figure out how good they are. They both have shown some nice flashes early on in the season. I think that's going to be a high, high-level game in Atlantis.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, you know, I think we were all shocked a little bit after Michigan came back from MSG, and you know, you felt like, wow, this team's right there to be one of the better teams in the country and have a bounce back year. And and then Long Beach State lays it on them at home. So uh, it'll be interesting. They'll learn a lot about themselves uh, down in the Atlantis. They, they will learn a lot about themselves. When you play three games in four days, uh, you go back and, and you really figure out, OK, where can this team get better? Uh, what do we have to do to compete for a championship? You learn a lot about the character of your players in tough moments, and you're going to get some tough moments in three games in four days.
1: High-level game, though, John, for sure. Vince, I'm back. You're back, McCall. So tell us about Michigan and Memphis. You know, Memphis, it's great to have you back. Memphis is a team. Hey, thank you, um, guys. Appreciate that it. <laughs> they, they look interesting here. They're three and zero. We talked about Javon Quinterly, but the fact they were able to bring in Jaquan Walden from Wichita State, David Jones is a seasoned guy, Jordan Brown, he'll be a guy that gives them another double-figure score and can provide size inside. Are you buying Memphis? And and what do you make of Memphis-Michigan, that matchup in particular?
3: Well, I got crushed the other night on the field of 68 because I was selling Memphis only because the other two teams that it was buy, hold, or sell – uh, and it was Tennessee, St. John's, and Memphis, I think, were the buy, hold, sell. So that was really, really difficult to put me in that category. I, you know, the, the only reason I sold Memphis was because uh, I, I think FAU is better than them in their league. And I know FAU dropped one to Bryant the other night, and I think dealing with expectations is one of the things that FAU is going to have to deal with this year. Uh, which is one of the hardest things to deal with in sports, is dealing with expectations. and That's what's being put on their team and every single one of those players and the talent that those players have. Uh, But I think Memphis is really good. I said it last year, I think Penny Hardaway is a really good coach. Um, So I'm buying them. I I, I am. And um, the only reason I said it the other night was just because I didn't know who I should buy, hold, or sell in that category. and I got put in a difficult spot, but you know that game tomorrow is, is going to be fun to watch i heard coach the other night and, and talk about the uh, battle for atlantis in that tournament and um you know everything's right there and, and, and in that in in the atlantis and the, the ceiling's a little bit lower and uh we've all had good moments in there and we've had some struggle moments in there but i'm buying memphis for
1: sure That'll be interesting. That's a big-time game. That tournament is a really interesting tournament. You've got Villanova and Texas Tech tomorrow afternoon. This is a really interesting game. Texas Tech is going to defend at a very, very high level. And for Villanova, Chris Mack, this is a telling week for them. They they drubbed Maryland. Drug. They lost, lost to Penn at the Palestra. Now, we know those big five games can be tricky. But for Nova, this is a really interesting week for them because if you beat Texas Tech, you get Armando Baycott, you get R.J. Davis, and you get UNC.
2: Yeah, I mean, I liken Villanova a little bit to Michigan in the sense that, you know, after their first few games, I, especially after the Maryland game, you know, we thought, okay, you know, they're coming, just like we we, we thought, just like we thought that, Last year was a little bit of an aberration, you know. Obviously, new coach Jay Wright leaves, but the loss to Penn, whether it's played in the Palestra or whether it's played at, at wherever, uh, that was surprising to me. I think Villanova's got too much talent, and uh, I, I just I think that Villanova is going to be way better than they were a year ago. Uh, I like Villanova to win the game against Texas Tech. Um, I like them to beat Carolina as well. I, I still want to see Carolina do it with some consistency. I don't think they play hard enough. And uh, if you don't play hard against the Wildcats, that's going to be a problem.
1: Wow. I mean, I think that – to I, I totally agree with you. Uh, but I think that from tomorrow's standpoint – for Villanova-Texas Tech, the question for Texas Tech is not defense. It's can they score the ball and cash in. Right. They are shooting 21% from three-point territory on the season. Pop Isaacs, Joe Toussaint, Toussaint's a veteran, Darian Williams, they're all in double figures, but none of them are averaging over 12 points per game. If Justin Moore and T.J. Bamba and Tyler Burden played in the level they're capable of and Eric Dixon is stout in the paint, Villanova's winning this game, and I'm with you, Mac, they're going to beat North Carolina. But for Kyle Neptune and Villanova, this is the confidence week for them. This is a an early defining week for the Wildcats. Are they legit? Are, should we be treating them as a team in that upper echelon of the Big East, or are they clearly distant from UConn, from Marquette, from Creighton? That's the question this week, Coach McCall, with Villanova. Where do you fall if we get Villanova-Carolina in a semifinal, and it's Baycott versus Dixon, and it's R.J. Davis and Justin Moore, what do you make of all that?
3: Well, I think, too, Kyle Neptune's in his third year as a head coach. So we have to give him some time to grow and develop and learn who he is as a head coach. And he's taken over an unbelievable, you know, challenging situation and taken over for Jay Wright. I mean, that that's the reality of it. I mean, if they line up and play Carolina, we'll see what happens there. But just give the guy some time and, and be patient because, That's not an easy situation to walk into Did a good job at Fordham in his first year. And then all of a sudden, you know, as he's trying to grow and develop, you're the head coach of Villanova taking over for a hall of famer who won national championships. So I I just think it's early. It's still early. We're in November. When we get to December January and February, in terms of big East play, let this team grow, let them develop, and let their head coach grow and develop, because it's so early in his head coaching career as well.
1: Coach McCall, no one has patience in twenty twenty three. I'm with you though, but people aren't there. Do fair. you have
3: patience with the? Do you, Do you have the patience with the Browns right now? Do you?
1: I've gone. They need <laughs> Yeah, I've gone through thirty seven head coaches in the last twenty five years. I got no freaking use for it's a five-year process. I don't have time to hear think, about. Do you think the Chiefs have, have patience with the receivers last night? They don't have any patience. But you know what? This is before we go to break, McCall. This brings up a broader point. And then Macca could get your thoughts. Like in the current day and age, McCall, you know what fans are going to say. In the portal, in four months, you could totally turn it. You could turn this thing around. Forget about it. Four-year process. You don't need that. What would you say to that?
3: You asking me or Coach Mac?
1: I'm asking McCall. I'm asking you, Coach McCall. Asking yeah. me?
3: I, I I, think it, he's a young head coach. He's a young head coach. This is his third year. I would say the same thing for John Shire. He's in his second year as being a head coach. It's just, it takes time. You need to go through some adversity. You need to grow. You need to develop. You need to get better. And when you do that, you learn who can, ask Matt Painter, who can I coach? Who do I want to recruit? Who fits what I'm trying to do? Do I want to go after five-star recruits or do I want to go after guys that, man, they, they, they may fit who I am as a person? It takes time when you become a head coach to do that. When you work for a Hall of Famer, and I work for a future Hall of Famer, I don't, I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but when you work for a Hall of Famer, you're like, oh, I'm going to do everything that he did to do things that fit my personality, that fit my values. I can't be him. I got to be who I am. And Kyle Neptune's still trying to figure that out. And whether fans want to see that, I mean, you know, say he doesn't have success and everyone's like, oh, he, we should move off from him. OK, who are you getting? What are you doing? Who's the next guy? Are they ready to step into this role? Or let this guy grow and develop? Yeah, I mean, I think
2: for every program that you find that a coach comes in, uh, it doesn't have to be a new coach. You know, any head coach comes into a new program. For every one that you find that maybe gets the right mix of transfers and has a special year that first year, you're going to find about, you know, nine out of ten that, you know, are still putting their mark on the program, are still learning the school, are learning the league, are are learning the type of players they need to be successful at that program. And that's not to, you know, make any type of excuse. That's just the reality of the situation. You know, players have to be coached by a staff. They've got to learn terminology. They sort of have to know, you know, what is important to the staff, what is important to this program. And that, that can only be learned, John, through time. But having said that, you can, you can speed up getting your talent. But as Matt said before, character in your locker room and the camaraderie in your locker room, that, that better be right up there with how much talent you're putting on your roster. Because if there's an imbalance there, if you have all this camaraderie and all this chemistry, but you have guys that can't play, you're in trouble. And if you have a bunch of guys that individually can really play but care less about the guy next to them in the locker room, you're in trouble. So, again, I, I don't think it's as easy as just being able to get guys that are instantly eligible now out of the portal.
1: Mm. Great point. Great point by both of you. We're going to take a timeout. After these messages, we're heading to the Thanksgiving dinner table. I'm going to take Coach McCall and Coach Mack to my college hoops feast. We compare Thanksgiving dishes to some of your favorite teams. This is the Field of 68 in the morning.
4: College basketball season kicks off this week and there is no better way to get prepared for the wild finishes, the bad beats and the total unpredictability of the sport that we all love than by purchasing access to the Almanac, a project that we at the Field of 68 partnered on with three-man weave, heat checks, CBB, and verbal commits. Unlike last season, the Almanac is no longer a PDF. Rather, it is a website that features more than 1,500 words on each and every one of the 362 Division I teams in college basketball. We wrote more than 800,000 words in total. We spoke to every single Division I head coach to get a feel for the rosters, the rotation, the projected starter lineups, and what they think their team is going to look like this year. For everyone, From the bluest of the Blue Bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, they deserve to be covered like they matter. And over at the Almanac, that is precisely what we do. Access costs just $19.99 for the year and can be purchased at the link in the description below. And now, back to our show.
1: Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark, John Fanta Chris Mack, Matt McCall with you It's the morning show that never Gets old, 12.38 a.m. Eastern time And we are here with all of you I guess the natural question is uh, Mac, how do you want Jeff Goodman To pay for your overtime Tonight, to pay out your Thanksgiving Bonus
2: Well, Applebee's is probably Closed by now, so Um <laughs> I don't know, he's not gonna he's 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 not gonna pay me anyway, so you know I'll just keep I'll just keep working for free for the field of sixty-eight.
1: I mean it, so like Coach Mack, I think
3: I think Applebee's was the only restaurant in Amherst, Massachusetts. Um so <laughs> if I was still living up there, I think that he would uh he would definitely cover that tab. They did have cold course light though. I'll I'll give I'll give that Applebee's in Amherst, Massachusetts that. Oh. There you go.
2: Everything's cold in Amherst, Massachusetts, so that's the problem.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Especially in the winters. Man, that was the worst place to go when we were in the A-10 at Xavier, I can tell you that.
1: Was that, the most, was that the most brutal road trip?
2: Well, we always played them in February, I felt like. Late January, early February, just like, you know, it's, it's cold down south then. Now you go up there, oh man,
1: everything's frozen. No. so goodman, goodman text the text the show dunkin donuts gift cards mac dunkin donuts hey, I'll gift take cards.
2: That. yeah that's that's more like it i you know I'll, I'll take a dunkin donuts gift card any day of the week for sure
1: i am all in on the peppermint mocha at duncan i'm all in Come on, on, on that you don't like it on, my
4: God,
2: what? No.
1: There,
2: there's so, there's what you- nothing right about peppermint in anything
1: it's the holiday you like season. Peppermint.
2: I don't you like peppermint patties? Yeah, I'm good with them. <laughs> oh my god. That's really you're that's gag- like eating, that's like eating toothpaste. Eat- come on, man.
1: You well come on, fancy. It's not, I mean, come on, Mac. This is no, I'm a vacuum cleaner. That. If I can eat stuffing, I can eat a peppermint patty. You're that <laughs> against a peppermint patty? Are you freaking no. kidding me right now?
2: There, there's nothing there's nothing that's that's beneficial in eating anything that's peppermint. I can promise you that. Wow.
1: <laughs> okay. There you go, folks. We don't agree on our yep. on our football teams. We don't agree <laughs> on, on flavors either, McCall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't you put guys me in the middle of this Panther. I want to. I wanna put you in the middle of it, but you're not doing it. Uh, I'm gonna what I am gonna do is I'm gonna invite you to my Thanksgiving table. I'm going to invite you to my thanksgiving table where right now we will compare i will compare dishes to college basketball teams okay let's begin the field of 68 thanksgiving feast the turkey the turkey four teams make up the turkey it's a big bird it takes up a lot of real estate you got different kinds of meat you got legs You got breasts. You got everything in the turkey. It's a huge bird. So with that in mind, I got four teams. Kansas, they're still part of the turkey. I'm not writing them off because they're losing to Marquette. Purdue, Marquette, and Arizona. I mean, Zach Eadie has to make up the largest portion of this bird, and he certainly gets it at the Thanksgiving table. Those four teams make up my turkey. Deep fry your turkey if you've never done it. Kansas, Purdue, Marquette, Arizona. They're the big bird. The stuffing the stuffing. You know what I thought of with stuffing? I thought of toughness. I thought of in-your-face resilience, not going to take no for an answer. Houston and UConn are my stuffing of college basketball at the Thanksgiving table. Houston is hard-nosed. Jamal Shed, his ability to make things happen. LJ Cryer was an elite transfer portal pickup. And UConn, Donovan Klingon. A reading from the book of Samson, Samson Johnson, Alex Caravan. And then just look at Dan Hurley. Just look at Dan Hurley. He is stuffing. He's going to put you in a box. That's what UConn's been doing the last two years. UConn and Houston are, Houston are the stuffing. Mashed potatoes. When I think of mashed potatoes, guys, I think of butter. I think of silky smooth. Just, just great flavor. You can have two. You can have three rounds of it. It's, it melts in your mouth. Creighton's offense melts in my mouth. Duke. Miami. Miami is like mashed potatoes, okay? They're smooth. They're savory. They taste great. Watching them is appetizing. And Duke. Duke's appetizing. Kyle Filipowski, Jared McCain, the Blue Devils are part of my mashed potatoes. And finally, green bean casserole. My green bean casserole of Kyle Choup's involves a little bit of veggies, okay? Involves some flavor here, but involves some upside. Because green bean casserole at your Thanksgiving table has upside. And that is Baylor. Scott Drew's team is my green bean casserole. You better bring your lunch pail. You better, you better eat some green beans if you're gonna get ready to face the Baylor Bears. And that's why I've got Jacoby Walter and Baylor as my green bean casserole. How's that for your Thanksgiving feast?
3: That's impressive. I mean, I mean that's impressive. I'm not i I'm I'm not I'm not really a big green bean guy but the, the, the eats is...
2: green bean casserole,
3: Who yeah, eats I,
2: I, green bean casserole between green, bean, green casserole bean casserole and peppermint patties right now, Fanna, you're losing it. You are freaking <laughs> losing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I don't know but, what to tell but you. And I, like, I, like all,
2: I like all your reasoning. I, I, I really do. I don't know if I would use the word toughness when it comes to stuffing. Um, but you know, to each his own. You know, to each his own. Well,
1: yes, you know, stuffing in a bird. Uh, North Carolina is mac and cheese. You know, cheesy, okay. a little bit, a little bit soft at times. But you know, savory. They're fun to watch. Uh, we'll see how hard they play. If you may, if you if you screw up mac and cheese, it can be really screwed up. You can't screw it yeah. up. Yeah. But who does do mac and cheese? You always tune in for Carolina because you never know what you're going to get. You're never going to turn down a bowl of mac and cheese. I don't know what Pretty pumpkin true. pie is. I don't know what pumpkin pie is, you know, the dessert. I'm like, I haven't gotten that far yet, but that's my kind of the preliminary Thanksgiving. So you're out on pumpkin pie, McCall. What are you in on? M- so, more so, of a pecan,
3: more, more, more of a pecan pie guy. More of a pecan pie. Pecan. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm out on the pumpkin pie. I'd uh, go apple pie. You know what? Uh, pie for coach. Um, you know what? I'm in on Purdue for me, is, is the turkey. I think Matt Painter is one of the best coaches in the country. I don't care what's happened in the last couple of years in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think he has spent hours and hours trying to figure out why we've lost in the first round, why we've lost in the second round, what's happened, why can't we advance in the tournament? Um, so Purdue, for me, is the turkey. Um, I, I you know Stuffing is one of my favorite pieces of Thanksgiving meal. I love stuffing. I don't know why anybody doesn't talk about stuffing enough. Uh, the defending national champions, they just go up to New York. They win two games like it's nothing. And I don't think we're talking about them enough in terms of Yukon. So, you know, for me, I don't think people talk about stuffing enough. So I'm going to talk about Yukon right. because I think that they are standing. I think Coach Hurley and what he's doing and, and dealing with expectations. And I talked about this earlier in terms of FAU. I think it's one of the hardest things to deal with in sports when everything now is on you. And I, I was at Florida you know, for those two years in the national championship years in a very, very small role as a graduate assistant coach. But I saw what that team did the first year and how hard it was for everybody the second year. And I know what UConn is going through this year and it's just kind of, nobody's talking about them. And then all of a sudden they just go up to New York and win by 18, both games. So, um, that's, that's, that's my stuffing. Cause nobody look, really talks about stuffing. Nobody likes
1: stuffing, but I like stuffing. So that's, that's my stuff. Got another one. Kentucky is cranberry sauce. You either love them or hate them.
2: I like Kentucky. You know, I, I really like Kentucky and, um, uh... Obviously youth is something that's not in their favor this early in the season, but I think as time goes on and some of those freshmen really get their legs under them and they get their big guys back, you know, they're playing right now with, uh, you know, guys that that aren't necessarily going to man the center position. They're doing a daggone good job. I mean, obviously uh, they had Kansas in the same predicament that Marquette has them in now uh, with about 10 minutes to go and they couldn't hang on, but um they were at one point dominating that game. And I look at who Kansas has on their roster with their upperclassmen. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time uh, as Kentucky gets older and more experienced throughout the year that they become one of the best teams in the SEC and one of the better teams in the country.
1: So you're going to have cranberry sauce on Thanksgiving?
2: I hate cranberry sauce. You know, I, hey, I don't know what I'd like like hey. them, them to, but – You know if you want to call them cranberry sauce fanny you can call them that it's your table
1: right well either of you two mac i'll start with you will you cook it all on thanksgiving do you have any responsibilities what's going on
2: you got um i've got my side of the family down here uh at our house in florida and we probably have about 14 or 15 of us and there are a few of us that i'm not doing the turkey uh my brother's gonna do the turkey uh, but I'm going to make mac and cheese, ironically, as we were talking about it before. So I'm going to do a little, uh, in the smoker, some mac and cheese. So I'm looking for some good recipes on TikTok. I've narrowed it down to about three or four. Uh, feel really good about where this is heading for Thursday.
1: Wow. I'm impressed. McCall?
3: I I am due east of Coach Mack right now. I'm, I'm a little bit southeast of him uh, in Jupiter, Florida. I have my in-laws here. Uh, my wife is a fantastic cook. So I'm going to be hanging Christmas lights on the outside of our house uh, on Thanksgiving Day, getting ready for the day after Thanksgiving to set those lights. I'm kind of like Clark Griswold, uh, you know, in terms of the lights on the house. We try to make a big deal about it. Uh, the kids love it. so. I'll be focused on the, the the lights, and I'm gonna let my wife and and her mom focus on the cooking. Good plan. Well
1: really good plan. And hoping
3: there's some there, 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 there's some Coors Light in the fridge too. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, so
1: to. I I have um I have Great Lakes Christmas Ale. Okay, so Great Lakes Brewery is in Cleveland, Ohio, the best city in the world, and uh, Great Lakes has. <laughs> Great Lakes has Christmas ale that is to die Fanta, for.
3: Have you ever seen the Joe Kim Noah? I don't think anybody goes on vacation in Cleveland? Did you ever see Joe Kim Noah yeah. say that?
1: Yeah, screw Joe Kim Noah. Okay, <laughs> he, he screwed all the way off. That, that's one of the that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. All right, Joe Kim Noah <laughs> was a much talented basketball player than I'll ever be, but Joe Kim, don't put my city down. So Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas ale will be part of the menu but my wife and I are in charge of the mashed potatoes. So we have about we are we have a gathering I want to say a 30 32 people so we are wow. in charge of, you know, we're in charge of I think in and around 10 to 12 pounds of mashed potatoes. So get ready because by the end of tomorrow, I mean, you might as well call me Colonel Sanders. I'm going to be slicing through so many potatoes. <laughs> you guys aren't going to know what hit you. I mean, just see me peeling potatoes tomorrow as hey, I'm man. watching Texas Tech.
2: I, I don't want any injuries, Fanta. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't slip on the slicer. Let, let's make sure that we're getting nothing but potato peels. Don't be so rapid with the slicer. Go go a little slower. Go a little slower.
1: There's tempo. There's tempo. Right, you need tempo to the the, the slicer. Just depends uh, on how experienced you are. I'm not experienced. No man. I'm not ex not a not a slicing potatoes. I can tell you that much. Um, here we go. We are down to the final stretch of Marquette and Kansas. All right, it's seventy to fifty six. Marquette is going to be the number one team in the country. The Marquette Golden Eagles are going to play Purdue tomorrow. Here's a fun fact for you Marquette and Purdue played last year. It was early in the season in the Gavit games. It was in that game that Purdue won. But Marquette looked very good. And a lot of people were like, wait a minute. They were picked ninth in the Big East. The final score was 75 to 70 in that game. Okay. And in that game, Cam Jones had 19 points. David Joplin had 21, but Zach Eadie and Braden Smith had 20 apiece, and Purdue hung on. First off, Marquette beating Kansas. Coach McCall, what's that say to you about the Golden Eagles, and, and what do you make of this result?
3: Well, I think it's, it's the reason that a lot of us have picked Marquette to win the Big East. And, you know, UConn is right there. Uh, there's other, you know, really good teams in the Big East, but that's this is this is what we expected from them. For Kansas, I mean, they turned the ball over 18 times as of right now, and, and there's two and a half minutes to go in the game. Um, so I think they've got to they've got to figure that out. But you know, Marquette essentially returns everybody. They have a really good team. Their offense is explosive. Defensively is where they need to get better, like we talked about earlier today. Uh, but a lot of us picked them to win the Big East, and so this is not a surprise. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow night versus Purdue, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You've got floor spacing with Marquette. How do they play? Zach Eady, everything, pulling him out, trying to make him guard, pick and rolls. How does he handle that? Uh, but that's, you know, we'll see who the best team in the country is. But, you know, I don't think this is a shock. I don't think it's a surprise. I think it's a shock and a surprise that, that Kansas turned it over as much as they did tonight. Uh, but that's – we'll find out who's the best team in the country for sure tomorrow night.
2: You know, shock at halftime used the word connectivity. And um, if you know – if you know shock at all behind the scenes and what's important to him, uh, and I know it's a buzzword with every coach, but he, he preaches, teaches, and coaches culture. Uh, in his program every single day. And I think he, he learned a whole lot at Texas. And uh, he's come into Marquette. Didn't bring in seven or eight transfers. Uh, and I, they were a connected team all year, a year ago, on their shoulder. They, they know they good now, and they're still playing very, very connected. And I know that Zach Eady isn't Hunter Dickinson. But this was good preparation because they're going to play the best big guy in the country tomorrow after playing one of the best today. It would be interesting to see because, you know, Purdue is, is better defensively than Kansas. Um, and I think in some ways harder to guard because Zach, I think, is is obviously – he's just bigger. He's just different. You know, you, you, don't, you don't see that but maybe once in your career or twice in your career unless you're in the Big Ten. So it's going to be a great championship game. Obviously, you mentioned Marquette playing Purdue a year ago. So they're not going to be in awe. They're not going to be like, hey, what is this going to present? How is this going to look? Those guys were on the floor a year ago. And so uh, they're going to come in with a lot of confidence based on these last two wins. Uh, it'll be very interesting tomorrow in that championship game.
1: 73 to 59, the final. The number one team in the country goes down. Marquette beats Kansas. And it is just the third time in Marquette program history that they have beaten a number one team in America. And get this it is only the second time that Marquette has beaten a number one team in America in non conference. The other time was March 29th. 2003, Marquette beat Kentucky to advance to the Final Four behind Dwayne Wade, who had a triple double. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade was sitting courtside tonight as Marquette beat number one Kansas. How about that? It is the third win in program history versus an AP number one team and the first since 2017 when Caden Reinhardt and Marquette beat Villanova on a wild night in Milwaukee. The Golden Eagles get it done. It is their first win over Kansas since 1974.
3: Wow! And Fanta,
1: how about this? Dr. Smart
3: continues to wear Rob Doster's outfit with the dry fit underneath the polo. Yeah, I think Rob Doster started that outfit. Am I wrong? Yes. Yes. The, the polo okay. with the with the long sleeve dry fit underneath—that's a Doster yes. special.
1: Yes, it is a Dowster special. He started that. He started that. He absolutely started that. Uh, so listen to this one. Marquette will play number two Purdue tomorrow, becoming the first team to play AP number one and number two on back-to-back days. Wow. Since 1972, Bill Walden was playing for UCLA. So think about that. That's how good the Maui is. Marquette, to win this thing, will have to beat number one and number two. Who do you like tomorrow night? Call your shop, Chris Mack, Marquette or Purdue.
2: I'm going to go with Marquette. Wow. I'm going to wow. go with Marquette. I, I just uh, – that's, that's, that's a tough ask. I know he didn't play 40 minutes tonight. But that's a tough ask for a big guy to go three nights in a row like that. And uh, I think Marquette's playing with a ton of energy. Uh, you know, we mentioned that one of Purdue's shortcomings a year ago was their ability to guard on the perimeter. And they're going to face some really good perimeter players tomorrow night. it be very interesting to see how Purdue defends in ball screen situations. They're going to see a lot more of them. You know, Tennessee – is not a team that runs very many ball screens. Ziegler will get some, but for the most part, they're very pinned down heavy and those guys are curling in the lane and making plays at the rim and kicking it out that way. They're going to they're gonna face uh, a lot of ball screen action tomorrow night, especially in transition with Tyler Kolick. So uh, I won't be surprised either way. Uh, both teams are, are good enough to beat one another. Uh, but. Three games in three days, I'm going to go with Marquette.
3: McCall. I want to pick Purdue because I think they're the best team in the country. Uh, I I agree with Coach Mack in terms of, um, you know, three games in three days, Zach Eady, how is he guarding pick and rolls? I think the floor spacing for Marquette uh, is going to cause Purdue a lot of issues. I think turnovers continue to be an issue for Purdue. Um, and, you know, Marquette will pick up at times and create some of those turnovers. So um, I, I like Marquette tomorrow. If I was a betting man, the only time I bet is on the golf course only because uh, I can control every single swing I hit. Um, but if I was a betting man, I, w- I, would, take, I would take Marquette because, I, I, like Coach said, three games, three days. Zach Eady, how is he guarding pick and rolls? How are they doing that with him? Um, and, you know, just just the floor spacing for them and the turnovers for Purdue. They, that, that's something they got to get corrected.
1: I'm going with Marquette. I think also Iguodaro is going to be able to hang in with Zach Eady and Marquette's quickness from a guard perspective with not just Tyler Kolick and Cam Jones, but the way Sean Jones has played. They're going to be able to guard Braden Smith. They're going to be able to guard Fletcher Lawyer. Marquette is deeper than Purdue. It will show in the Maui Invitational Championship game. Marquette beats Purdue. The Golden Eagles will be number one and number two on back to back days. And based on research, it does not look like anybody has ever done that in the history of college basketball. Marquette will be ranked number one on Monday. That's my prediction. Obviously, if you win these two, you're going to be. Uh, toast of the yep. night. Toast of the night. Do we want to? Anybody that you want to toast? Coach McCall, go right ahead.
3: I mean, I'm going to toast Shaka Smart and, and Marquette. I mean, they, they knock off the number one team in the country. Um, Coach Smart and, and the job that he's doing there at Marquette and, and learning from his experiences at Texas, and, and he was down there in the defensive stance all game today, so I'm going to toast Marquette.
1: Mac?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit. I'm going to take one of Marquette's players and Sean Jones. You know, here's a kid from Columbus, Ohio, that, um, you know, wasn't very highly recruited, to be quite honest with you. And uh, I I think that, you know, he's worth his weight in gold. You know, Shaka calls him the quickest player in the country. Uh, He came in tonight and was was terrific in the first half, and along with Cam Jones sort of set the tone in the first half for who Marquette was going to be, not just in that half, but in the entire game. And so my toast of the night would be the Ohio native, Sean Jones.
1: I'll go off the beaten path to the Sunshine Slam. Championship game was tonight. Number 18, Colorado, goes down. Leonard Hamilton and Florida State get my toast tonight. Why? Because Florida State lost to Florida just four days ago. They responded. They beat UNLV. They beat Colorado. How'd they do it? I'll tell you how they did it. Jameer Watkins was a big-time transfer at for Florida State from VCU. Tonight, 18 points, 11 rebounds, four assists. He had four steals as well. He was fantastic. And Jim, not just Jameer Watkins, but Jalen Worley. Worley had a great game. 19 points tonight for Florida State. Worley's a leader. He's a junior at six foot seven. The Seminoles beat a well-coached, good Colorado team. That's a good win for the ACC and a great win for Florida State to propel them going forward. I thought Leonard Hamilton really Coached a great game, as he normally does. Florida State, you're my toast tonight. Marquette, you're our toast tonight. Chris Mack, Matt McCall, a happy Thanksgiving to both of you.
2: You too, John.
1: Fantastic. I hope those mashed
3: potatoes are fantastic, buddy. Hope those Uh, mashed potatoes are fantastic. And I'll be sure when I'm done hanging my Christmas lights, I'm going to take a picture and send them right to you.
1: Please send it over. I'll send you guys my green bean casserole. (laughs) For Trevor Valise, our producer, for Chris Mack, for Matt McCall, I'm John Fanta. Here's to hoping some Dunkin' Donuts gift cards are sent our way, gentlemen. Happy Thanksgiving. Bill 68 After Dark comes your way tomorrow night, 11 Eastern time. We'll see you then. Thanks for watching.